there's some clear instruction right there. Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be exploited, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and in er on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I think that's an invitation right there to tell somebody about Jesus and glorify God while you do that. Thank you for your attention this morning. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Gail. Great introduction to that scripture. Um, yeah, Paul says after this the, the first four verses that we looked at last week, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, and then he tells us what that attitude is. Um, in some ways, just these uh, first, what, six, verse six, seven, and eight, kind of encapsulate the gospel in some ways. It is a fact that the God of the universe loved us so much that one day he stepped out of heaven taking on the very nature of a, of a servant, made in the likeness of man, and started the journey on the way to his death on the cross. God himself came down from heaven. That's, that's hard for some people to believe. But he became like us, gave his life for us, and by receiving him, we then can become like him. And it describes what he was like in, in a kind of a compact, Reader's Digest way in these few verses. Of all the men who ever lived, no one impacted the world like Jesus Christ did, and still does. So Paul here is urging the Philippians to adopt the same humble and unselfish attitude, mindset excuse me mindset toward one another as Jesus demonstrated in his incarnation and death on the cross this passage in fact is intended by Paul to be a pattern for Christian conduct we are to live as Christ lived our attitude is to be like Jesus Christ's attitude <clears throat> And what Jesus did, as described in this text today, wasn't something that was required. It, it was self-imposed. It was, we could call it a volunteer effort on Jesus' part. Jesus chose this path of self-emptying, of self-humbling, of self-sacrifice for the purpose of setting us free from the power of sin and death over our lives. Jesus chose to do that. Therefore, if we're then to have the 
mind of Christ in this matter, if we're to have the same attitude about what we do in life as Jesus had when He left heaven to become one of us, what we need then is an attitude adjustment. So what adjustments might we need to make to have the same attitude as Christ? Well, let's talk about what Jesus did. Jesus emptied Himself. Now, in our text today, it says in in verse 7, but made Himself nothing. But if you read any number of other versions of the Christ, uh, of this text, excuse me, many of them say that Jesus emptied Himself. In In the place of He made Himself nothing, it says He emptied Himself. We need to understand this. Jesus did not cease to be God during his earthly ministry. But he did set aside his heavenly glory of face to face relationship with the Father. He also set aside his independent authority. During his earthly ministry, Christ completely submitted himself to the will of the Father. He didn't make any of those own decisions. He only did what he heard the Father telling him to do. So you could say he set set aside his independent authority, submitted his will completely to the will of the Father. And And notice that in this passage it says, Jesus was in very nature God. And, and that he was equal to God. So, Jesus, prior to the, his coming to earth as a human being, as a man, was no less than God. He is God. And Jesus was fully God, even though he was fully man. And I know, how do you wrap your minds? It's like trying to really give an accurate description of what the Trinity is. We can... You know, we've talked about, you know, an egg and the shell and, and ice that, and water and vapor, but nothing really, really gives us a clear picture of what that's all about. That's where faith comes in, right? Jesus was fully God and fully man. And that word empty means to void something or to deprive of benefit or authority. So, in emptying himself, he temporarily voided or deprived himself of the benefit and privilege of being with God, with his Father in heaven, of of sharing all the glory and even some of the attributes of God, because we know God is spirit, and Jesus came in the flesh, did he not? And because Jesus was equal with God... And while he never really promoted that reality, he also didn't avoid it. In John 10.30, Jesus said, The Father and I are one. Well, there was a bunch of the Jewish religious guys standing around, and they caught on to what he was saying right away. So much so that they picked up stones to stone him with, because he had just said, I am equal with God. Oh, Because they were missing the point, weren't they? They didn't realize who Jesus was. And so, bottom line, Jesus didn't give up or get rid of his divine nature, but rather what he did give up are his, let's call them the prerogatives of his deity. That is, that which was his right 
and privilege because he was God. And those, those things included being worshipped, proclaiming judgment, taking vengeance. And, and so, just why did he empty himself? Or how did he empty himself? Well, he did it by taking on the form of a human being. But not just any human being, but that of a servant. Literally a slave. The lowest position of servanthood. And, and, and that this attitude of servanthood is one of the ways it's clearly seen in his, what Jesus did when he washed his disciples' feet. And while he was still God, he then never gave up his divine nature. What Jesus did was display the nature of God while he was also displaying the nature of a servant. And so Jesus' attitude was to freely and willingly abandon his heavenly, let's call them privileges, in order to accomplish our salvation. He took upon himself the form of a servant, the characters and qualities of a servant. And so being in in the form of God, having the characteristics and qualities of God, he made the great exchange and took upon himself the form or the characteristics and qualities of a servant without giving up his deity. That's an amazing thing to me. Should be to all of us. Because I mentioned in my prayer, you know, the, the psalmist says, God breathed the stars out of his mouth. He knows them all by name. He created a universe so big that we don't have any idea what the limits of it are, if there are limits. He inhabits his creation. So how did God package himself in this this form? In the form of a human being. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus emptied himself for us. He didn't lose any of his deity or divine nature. He was fully God and fully man. He did not lose his miraculous power. He still knew people's thoughts. He still knew the future. He did not lose his perfection and holiness. He was not coerced. He was not a victim. He was a volunteer. He gave his life. The Scripture tells us it was not taken from him. So he emptied himself of heaven's splendor, praise, and position, but just for a while. The writer of Hebrews in verse, uh, excuse me, in chapter 2, verse 9 says, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And we see that same idea reflected in the latter half of the passage that Yale read for us today. And so had he not emptied himself, then we could never be assured that he understands our weaknesses and failures. 
that he understands the power of the, the tempter to, a, to appeal to our lusts. To understand the pain, the loneliness, the sorrow, the weariness, or any other human experience. But because he emptied himself, he can relate to all those things. He understands. So what, what does it mean for us to empty ourselves? Well, King David, Israel's greatest king, he's the king by which all the other kings were measured. He was the gold standard, you might say, of kings. What was his attitude? Well, in Psalm 84, verse 10, the second half of that verse, it said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. That's the king saying that. And we're called upon ourselves to take upon ourselves the lifestyle of Jesus, that of a servant. Jesus led by serving. And if we're to lead others to Christ, then we must do so by emptying ourselves, by becoming a servant by willingly embracing a lifestyle of servanthood. So Jesus emptied himself. And then this, this passage also says that Jesus' attitude was he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself. <clears throat> I want to share with you a couple of quotes, one from A.W. Tozer and the other from Andrew Murray on humility. Tozer says, humility and dying to myself are inseparable. In everything, Christians, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among believers today. We want to be saved, but insist on Christ doing all the dying. And then Andrew Murray put it this way, Many Christians fear and flee and seek deliverance from all that would humble them. At times they may pray for humility, but in their heart of hearts, they pray even more to be kept from the things that would bring them to that place. Humility results in a life of denying self, which produces radical obedience and reckless abandon. Jesus was humble and obedient to death. So Jesus' whole life, His, exist, his existence here upon this earth, from being a baby who was laid in a manger to, the, to dying upon the cross and laid in a borrowed tomb, was marked by genuine humility. You know how it all started. There he slept, just a tiny, vulnerable, dependent human baby. And we have all the nice little songs, don't we, at Christmas time about Jesus in the manger. Although we have, probably have the wrong picture. You know, we have this little wooden thing like this with a bed of straw which probably actually chiseled out of stone. What a lowly birth. He humbled himself. And then throughout his life, 
as he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. At the Last Supper, he got up from the table, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin, knelt down and began to wash the disciples' feet, their dirty, dusty, stinky feet. God Himself washed their feet. And Jesus said to them in closing, Now that you have seen Me do this, you must do the same. God Himself stepped out of the perfection of heaven into an imperfect world. He stepped out of the place where He reigns forever as King of kings and came down and washed feet. That's true humility. And to make this point even clearer, he said, and by the way, you need to do the same thing. I was going to mention my, uh, you know, when it talks about stepping down out of heaven. Have I talked about, I've talked about my amoeba theory, right? Have I talked about my amoeba theory? Okay. You know, we are, amoebas are to us as we are to God. I mean, the difference is that great. That's what I believe. What, what possibility does an amoeba have of understanding humanity? Just, the distance is too great. Some would say evolutionarily. That's not what I believe. But there's a big distance between an amoeba and us, isn't there? And I think the distance is just as great between us and God. And so when we talk about God stepping down out of heaven, wow. Have you ever thought about what Jesus endured? Not just on the cross, but even before that. You know, the experts in the religious law told the author of the Word what the Word was supposed to mean. Obviously, there were some things they weren't catching on to, huh? Probably the greatest example of humility seen in is seen in his becoming obedient to death. Especially death on a cross. It's like, hang me or shoot me, but don't put me on a cross. Run me through with a sword, but don't put me on a cross. The cross in the first century was used as a, as a form of torturous death. It was a horrible experience. Well, we'll use the word excruciating way to die. In fact, the word excruciating comes from the Latin to crucify. And it was the most degrading way for a person to die at that time. You hung the worst of the worst on crosses. That's what you did. And he was hung out there for all to mock And in Galatians 3.13, Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And in the same way, to have the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ, to have this attitude adjustment, we need to humble ourselves. That is, we're not to think that we're better than or too good for 
or that there are forms of service that are beneath us. And then it tells us that Jesus sacrificed himself. Don't we love don't we love the picture at Christmas time and the manger and the shepherds and the wise men? They all show up at the same time in our creches, but you know, all this great, wonderful group that gathered around and Baby Jesus went to sleep on a bed of But you know what? He didn't stay in the manger or Bethlehem or Nazareth for that matter. He grew up. It said at one point in his ministry, he set his face toward Jerusalem. And he went there to be killed. Why? I mean, he as God didn't have to do it. No one could have nailed him to that cross unless he went willingly. Remember the song, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. It's a hard one to grasp in our humanity. I would have been saying, watch this, you guys. I'm not going to put up with this. He did it to prove God's love. Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you want to know how much God loves you, look at the cross. Bill and Gloria Gaither did a song that included these words, When He was on the cross, you were on His mind. And I think that's absolutely true. Jesus, who is God, was able to look down through the decades and centuries of time and see you and me. So that brings you and I to the foot of the cross, reminding us that we are under the umbrella of God's grace. Jesus went to the cross knowing that many would reject him. Max Lucado writes, it was not the soldiers who killed him, It was his devotion to us. And another reason he went to the cross was he did it to pay sin's penalty. When you break man's law, you pay... Yes, when you break man's law, you pay man's penalty. When you break God's law, you pay God's penalty. Romans 6.23 tells us what that is. For the wages of sin is death. Ooh. The second half of the verse is pretty encouraging, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago has eternal consequences. His sacrificial death was once for all. You know, Julie and I are reading through our year Bibles, and we're back there in the old, we're still in the Pentateuch, the first five books, where it talks about, you know, God tells them, tells uh, Moses this, and he says, then tell the people. And he gives all those rules and regulations for all the sacrifices that had to take place. (laughs) I wonder what the um, animal rights people would have said. 
It was amazing. I, I, I've said often, uh, you know, the priests were just glorified butchers. And they were constantly sacrificing for themselves, for the people or individuals who would transgress and have to bring in whatever God prescribed for that transgression. Death after death after death. It all stopped with Jesus. Once for all. We can be totally forgiven. The blood of Jesus has not lost its power. But, it, but you know what? As long as we try to save ourselves, right? until we realize our tight as she picked up the, the needle with a potholder, forcing his hand open to drop down the needle, but at the last moment she purposely let go of Jimmy's hand.
And this Paul says is acceptance to God is worship unto him to do this. And this is what Jesus calls all of us to do if we truly want to be a Jesus said in Luke 9.23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You know, there's death involved in But it's not the death of our bodies, although we know some Christians do experience that. But it's the death of our own wants. It's the death of us being first. Jesus wanted to make sure that those who had be his followers would be willing to be living sacrifices for the furtherance of God's kingdom. And then at the end of all of that, we have these... We've got three verses that talk about the attitude of Christ. Then we talk about what happens because of his attitude. And I'm not going to spend but just a few moments on this, but it tells us that because Jesus humbled himself, even becoming obedient to death on a Roman cross, he's been exalted to the highest place and that someday, kind of looking into the future, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen. No matter how you felt about Jesus or what you believed about Jesus, even if you didn't believe in him while on this planet, someday every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to do it voluntarily now. I don't know about you. And then to, to lay that over on us. Luke 14, 11 says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4.10 Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you. So we have that hope someday of exaltation in the forever of heaven. Not like Jesus. These kings and kings are more to the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. But boy, I'm looking forward to that. You know, so a couple of songs came to mind when I, when I thought about this. Remember the song, If That Isn't Love, If He Left the Splendor of Heaven Knowing His Destiny, was the lonely hill of Golgotha there to lay down His life for me. It's not like God sent Jesus to Bethlehem and then told Him after He got there, oh, by the way, guess what's in store for you? He knew. It talks about, you know, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. God had always the plan, always had a plan, and Jesus always knew what it was. And he came anyway. So in light of what Jesus did, who he was, what he was willing to do for us, how he humbled himself, how he emptied himself, how he gave himself sacrificially, he left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lonely angel of Golgotha to lay down his life for me, then here's our response. I have one supreme desire that I may be like. To this I believe this I want my heart is going to be so that a watching will be this life and for I want to be like Jesus. And what's his likeness in us like? Well, a willingness to empty ourselves, humble ourselves, 
like Jesus so that we can have the same attitude. And in the light of that, and especially in the light of Jesus' sacrifice for us, we're going to share together in the next moment.